What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, February 9th. Coming up today. Disney shares surge on earnings and planned job cuts. Credit Suisse shares tumble as investors pulled cash. We talk with the bank's CEO. Fed officials come out in droves for more rate hikes. And the death toll from Turkey's massive earthquake surpasses 16,000. I'm Amy Morris. The man accused of killing an off-duty NYPD officer has a criminal record. And Connecticut's budget promises more tax cuts. I'm John Stanshower in sports. In a blockbuster trade, the Nets dealt Kevin Durant to Phoenix for three players and four draft picks. The Rangers beat Vancouver. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin this morning with earnings and job cuts at Disney. They have the stock up six and a quarter percent in early trading. Disney reported better than expected sales and profit led by its theme parks division. And CEO Bob Iger is planning to cut 7,000 jobs as part of a dramatic restructuring. We are going to take a really hard look at the cost for everything that we make, both across television and film, uh, because things in, in a very competitive world have just simply gotten more expensive. Uh, and that's something that is uh, already underway here. Disney CEO Bob Iger is seeking $5.5 billion in cost savings. More than half of that's expected to come from the movie and TV budget. Well, on the flip side, Nathan, shares of Credit Suisse are down more than 5% this morning. The Swiss bank said it expects a substantial loss this year. Clients pulled a record 110 billion Swiss francs in the latest quarter, capping the bank's worst annual performance since the financial crisis. CEO Ulrich Kerner spoke with us about the results. The results are unacceptable, obviously, and uh, that's why we created a new strategy, transformation program, which we, as you know, communicated end of October to create a new Credit Suisse, much more focused, simpler, built around client needs, in the midterm very profitable, and we are executing at pace. And Credit Suisse CEO Ulrich Kerner says fixed income trading revenues were down 84% year-on-year, while equities trading revenues fell 96%. Stay tuned for more of that interview coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, Karen, we're hearing from another banking executive this morning, this time on the Fed. In an interview with Reuters, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon said the Fed may need to lift its benchmark interest rate above 5%. Dimon said if inflation stops falling and gets stuck around 3.5%, the Fed, quote, may have to go higher than 5%. Diamond's comments follow several calls from Fed officials for more interest rate hikes, Nathan. Policymakers speaking at separate events yesterday delivered a similar message. And here's Fed Governor Christopher Waller. We are seeing that effort begin to pay off, but we have farther to go. And it might be a long fight with interest rates higher for longer than some are currently expecting. But I will not hesitate to do what is needed to get my job done. 
And those comments from Christopher Waller were echoed by his colleague, Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. There's not yet much evidence, in my judgment, that the rate hikes that we've done so far are having much effect on the labor market. And we need to bring the labor market into balance. So that tells me we need to do more. How much more? I don't know for sure. Neil Kashkari says the Fed will likely need to raise interest rates to around 5.4 percent in order to get inflation down to the Fed's 2 percent goal. Well, those hawkish calls by the Fed led to a sell-off in stocks yesterday. Both the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq fell more than 1 percent. Robert Stimson is chief investment officer at Oak Associates. Well, I think the market has gotten the message and that 2023 is going to be more of the same, where the market gets optimistic that the Fed is close to a pivot or done, only to be reminded that, no, it it may not be. Robert Stimson at Oak Associates says the Fed is still concerned about the strong job market's impact on prices. Well, now let's head to the Middle East, Nathan, where the disaster from last week's earthquakes is getting worse. The death toll has now passed 16,000 across Turkey and Syria. Bloomberg's Simon Demikhan has the latest from Istanbul. Rescue efforts are still underway, but it's definitely a race against time to try and save as many people as possible. Of course, this is the fourth day of rescue efforts. Now, both Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden have called this disaster the worst in a century. President Erdogan visited the disaster zone yesterday, and he promised to rebuild in a year. And Bloomberg Simon Demikhan reports that Turkey's stock exchange will be closed for five trading days. The country's benchmark index erased $21 billion in value after yesterday's trades were canceled. On the geopolitical front, Karen, U.S.-China relations continue to remain in focus. And President Biden is denying that ties between the two countries are being strained after the balloon incident. Bloomberg Zed Baxter has the story. Biden says he has not spoken with China President Xi Jinping since the incident. On PBS, when asked if the relations had taken a big hit, he flatly answered no, no. We're going to compete fully with China, but we're not going to look, we're not looking for conflict. And, uh, and that's been the case so far. Meanwhile, the administration is saying it is collecting very valuable information on China's balloon intelligence gathering operation and will share it with allies around the world. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Meantime, China is blasting President Biden over his critical comments about President Xi Jinping. In the PBS interview, Ed mentioned the president repeated comments made in his State of the Union address that no world leader would want to trade places with President Xi. In Beijing this morning, a Chinese foreign ministry spokeswoman said, quote, the U.S. remarks are highly irresponsible and violate basic diplomatic protocols. Futures higher this morning straight ahead we have your latest headlines plus a check of sports and this is bloomberg it is 41 degrees in central park it's going to turn cloudy today with showers likely this afternoon going up to near 50 degrees as those showers move out tonight we'll dip down into the upper 40s and temperatures will rise through the overnight hours time now to look at some of the other stories making news in new york and around the world with bloomberg's amy morris good morning amy good morning nathan southwest airlines has canceled two-thirds of its flights in the wake of severe winter weather and internal systems issues and it's not expected to get caught up until this weekend at the earliest cohen analyst helene becker tells bloomberg TV that Southwest underinvested in IT and now that's come back to haunt them. They're doing what should be automated by hand. Um, mm-hmm. When you have 6,000 flights a day and 
and and you probably shouldn't. You should probably have two thirds of that. Um, it's not that they don't have enough people. It's that they don't know where their people are. She says more than 80 percent of flight cancellations earlier this week were just by Southwest Airlines. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont has unveiled a more than 50 billion dollar biennial budget that would cut income taxes to four and a half percent, down from five percent for families making up to one hundred thousand dollars per year. He projects it will save about four hundred forty million dollars each year. The budget also increases spending by three and a half percent this fiscal year and then by another 1.8 percent next year. A councilman from New Jersey was shot to death yesterday. That's the second such shooting in a week. Russell Heller was a councilman from Milford and was killed outside the PSENG Somerset Division headquarters in Franklin. Police say the suspect in that shooting was a former employee, Gary Curtis, who was found later dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. This just one week after Sayreville Councilwoman Eunice Dwumfar was fatally shot in a vehicle near her home. In New York, police say the alleged NYPD cop killer has had previous run-ins with law enforcement. Mayor Eric Adams tells MSNBC he's not surprised the suspect, 38-year-old Randy Jones, has a criminal record. The revolving door recidivism that you're seeing in not only New York, but our country is impacting how we keep our city safe. Jones was arrested once in New York City for strangulation and two other times in Virginia. Now he's charged with murder and attempted robbery in the fatal shooting of 26-year-old Adid Fayez. Grand Central Madison will officially kick off its full LIRR service schedule at the end of this month. Sources tell WNBC-TV full service will begin on Monday, February 27th. Global news powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Amy. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. A major departure in Brooklyn, John Stashauer. Yeah, Nathan, last one out the door, turn out the lights. You know, they say you need multiple All-Stars to win an NBA championship. Well, a year ago, the Nets had put together three of the best players in the NBA, but James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant only played 16 games together. All three had expressed desires previously in their careers to get traded. All three would express that same desire to the Nets. A year ago, Harden shipped to Philadelphia. He's playing for his fourth different team just this past Sunday. Irving dealt to Dallas. That's his fourth team. And last night, the Nets traded Kevin Durant to Phoenix. So the Suns will become the fourth team that KD has played for. TJ Warren also goes to the Suns. In return, the Nets get three decent players. Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. They get four first-round draft picks. A year ago, the Knicks traded a first-round pick to Atlanta for Cam Reddish. He hadn't played a single minute for the Knicks in the last two months. Reddish dealt to Portland with the first-round pick. The Knicks get Josh Hart from the Blazers. NBA trade deadline coming this afternoon. At the Garden, Rangers won their third in a row. Beat Vancouver 4-3. Seton Hall's three-game winning streak came to an end. A home loss to Creighton. Fordham won again. Beat UMass. The Rams are now 19-5. The UConn women Lost at Marquette, and they've now lost two games in a row for the first time in 30 years. NFL honors go out tonight. Patrick Mahomes getting ready for the Super Bowl. He's expected to win MVP. Two Jets could win Rookie of the Year awards. Garrett Wilson on the offense and Sauce Gardner for defense. A little over a month after he nearly died on the field in Buffalo, DeMar Hamlin was at Super Bowl week in Phoenix picking up the NFL Community Service Award. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sport. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. 
Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Credit Suisse still expects to return to profit in 2024. That's despite warning of a significant loss this year and reporting a fifth straight quarterly decline. Credit Suisse saw a record $120 billion in outflows in the latest quarter, and it's making significant cuts to its bonus pool. The CEO of Credit Suisse, Ulrich Kerner, spoke about all that and more with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. Let's listen in. We have results. Your, your first gut feeling about them? The results are unacceptable, obviously, and uh, that's why we created a new strategy, transformation program, which we, as you know, communicated end of October to create a new Credit Suisse, much more focused, simpler, built around client needs, in the midterm very profitable, and we are executing at pace. And let me also say we are confirming all our targets we gave by yeah. the end of October. So when do you think results will be acceptable? When will they be at a, a level that you're comfortable with? Look, we said this is a three-year three transformation. We gave targets on, on return on tangible equity, as you know. We reconfirmed them. So it will take some time, 2023, certainly a very transformative year. And then we get better and better. What's your outlook for asset flows? So we have seen what has happened in October. Um, let me say that you know the outflows we have seen basically are more than 85% stemming from October and November. And if you click only in October, it's more than 60%. So what we did immediately after we could communicate end of October, we put in place an, at least what the colleagues me, tell me, an unprecedented mm-hmm. client outreach program. So we talked in the meantime to more than 10,000 wealth management clients, individual, as we talk, and more than 50,000 clients in Switzerland. And I think that has created very good momentum. So if I look into January, the group overall is net positive uh, on deposits, yeah. wealth management globally as well, wealth management Asia Pack as well, wealth management Asia Pack being positive on net new assets, and Switzerland as well. So I think the situation has changed completely. When will Credit Suisse be reliably profit again? Look, that is a far-reaching 
far-reaching uh, question. We said very clearly we will make a loss in 2023, and from there on um, we will get better and better. Talk to me a little bit about compensation. I mean, this certainly created waves. There was talk about you delaying compensation or doing it in three tranches. What is the reasoning behind that? No, we, we, we are not doing it in three tranches. So we have we have an, had a big, you know, so to say, compensation day like the day before yesterday. And there were very small parts of the firm, particularly seniors in CSFB, that was delayed a bit. But, you know, we are... We are doing that over the next couple of days, but overall it was done globally more or less at the same day. So what's your strategy on compensation and bonuses? Look, the, the strategy in quotation marks is, is, is pretty simple. It needs to be in line with the results, more or less, um, and, and I think that's the current thinking and the, and the future thinking. And I think that is also something which is very important. You know, if you think about new Credit Suisse, that pr- provides us with the opportunity to create an also a new culture, and that is all what we are defining now. And I think the new culture, when it comes to compensation, in principle, going forward, will be: you know, you make profit, you pay bonus. If you don't, you pay the very little or nothing. So that's that's the culture around bonus going forward. Are you reallocating bonuses actually at the, at the bank? Like how you think about it? What do you mean by reallocating? In terms of the units. So is it, it, it seems pretty, I guess, intuitive that if you make a profit or if you would do good, you have bonuses. Yeah. Or are you taking some away from certain people to give it to others? Like, how has that changed in the last 12 months? Look, the, no, in principle not. But the only thing which we are doing, obviously, is, as you have seen, we, we, we cut at the bonus pool um, significantly, which you would expect, I guess, in a year like last year. But then we make sure, and that's maybe the, over, the only overlay we are creating to make sure, you know, that we can really keep the franchise. And in this sense, it might be that, you know, a little bit goes more left than right and so on. But in principle, it goes on the, on the underlying results. Are you worried about people leaving the firm? Look, we have a tough bonus on the sense. We are, we are in competition with all our um, friendly peers. Um, but on the other hand, I think I believe very strongly in that one is, you know, new credit Suisse, but also CSFB for our important colleagues on that side, um, creates really something which they can believe in. This is something new. This is a good, very, very good story. It will be very profitable on both sides. And that is something people believe in. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? 
With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.